Hello, I'm Derek Walker. I'm the pastor of the Oxford Bible Church. And today we're continuing in, in our search to deepen our seeking of the Lord. And uh, let's go to our standard scripture in Psalm 105 about seeking the Lord. It says, let the hearts of those rejoice who seek the Lord. Seek the Lord, that is his presence. Seek to know him. Seek the Lord and his strength. That's his presence in us. And then it says, seek his face forevermore. <clears throat> and so we seek to know him face to face. Not just to know about him, but know him through being in his presence face to face. And we seek his strength in us, his hand in us. And as we seek his face, as we come into his presence to know him personally, we will also open up our heart and receive his strength, his, his life, his power, his presence to come into our hearts and fill our hearts. His presence in us will make all the difference. And when we seek the Lord uh, to know him, coming into his presence, having face-to-face -face fellowship with him, then we will find his hand of strength coming into our hearts and we know him as our victory, as our life. But the key is to seek the Lord. And uh, the way that we come to seek the Lord and receive his life in us, his anointing, we must do it as a free gift. We, we don't do it, we don't do it in striving by trying to earn or deserve it. We, but we come into his presence and we trust him and we receive by faith. We get our eyes off ourselves, and we see Jesus. Look to Jesus because it's, we seek his face. We look into the face of Jesus and out of the face of Jesus is pouring his glory, his presence. So we, we relax and we ask and we receive. Any self-effort gets in the way. We must receive on a free gift basis. Romans 5, it says, If by one man's offence death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace. That's what we're talking about, is abundance of grace. And the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. If we are to reign in life, it's through the gift of his righteousness and the gift of his, the abundance of his grace, freely given to us. And so the presence of God comes on a free gift basis. And so if you're all tense, you can't receive because tension is a manifestation of your self-effort. Um, and, and we just receive his presence. And in his presence, all the good things, such as joy and love, uh, are carried. And wisdom and revelation are carried in the presence of God. Not only can we earn and deserve it, but we actually cannot control it. We shouldn't, if we try and control it, then we lose the presence of God. We just have to surrender to his presence, yield to his presence, and trust his presence to guide us in the right way. Uh, we must seek his presence and value his presence more highly than, than the products that his presence carries. <laughs> yeah, because if we're, if we're focusing on the things, we will be drawn away from the presence of God. So as you seek his face, as you seek him for himself, for his presence, you will discover his presence shining out of his face. And, and we just receive that. That's 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. Let me read that to you. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light. That's the glory, you see, of the presence of God. 
the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. And so the gospel reveals the Christ and out of the face of Christ, the glory of God shines. And if we open our heart, that glory will shine into our hearts. That's the presence of God that will transform us. And today I want to share about how we can, can deepen our, 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 our openness to God. You know, it says, seek his face forevermore. That means in a consistent way. How do we do that? It's by valuing the presence of God highly above everything else. Because the, the heart automatically seeks that which is of the highest value. As Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Your treasure, of course, is what you value the most. And your heart will necessarily desire that and be focused on that. So the key is to come to a proper evaluation of the presence of God. Once we see the true value of God's presence... We, we will automatically seek that more and more. If we don't see the value of God's presence, we will seek answers and peace and security and happiness in, in the things around us in this world. And, but we will only find failure through that. If only we knew what a difference the presence of God makes in our life, we would continually seek God to be filled with his spirit, for his hand to be upon us. As we said before, as cars are meant to operate on petrol, so we're designed to operate on the presence of God. As our lungs are designed to operate by receiving the air around us, without that we would die. So our spiritual lungs, our heart, is, knows that it must seek the air around, uh, the spiritual air, which is the presence of God. And if I breathe in that air, then I live. I come alive, I thrive. And so we must value the presence of God like the air we breathe. It's a necessity. And everything else, our life, derives from that. And if, we do, if a car tries to operate without petrol, or if we try and operate without air, we struggle, we die. It's a mess. And that's why many lives are in a mess. Because we are not seeking first the first thing, which is the presence of God. And one area in which, which helps us to realize our need and therefore the value of the presence of God is when we feel weak. The more we realize our weakness and our emptiness, our inability without the presence of God, the more we are going to value and seek his presence to fill us. Jesus said, without me you can do nothing. We, we need a revelation of that. Our seeking him from a dependent, needy heart opens the door for God to do wonders in our life. You see, for God to work in our life, it requires his power, of course, but it also requires a void in our heart, a conscious need, a conscious desire, a felt weakness, a felt emptiness, a lack of self-sufficiency. And that is the God's opportunity to work in our life. You see, if we're self-sufficient, if we're full of other things, that is kind of artificially keeping us propped up and we don't feel our need for God there is no room for God to work in our life 
because he's a, he's a gentleman. And if we don't want him to work, we close the door on him. But when we have empty places in our soul, I'm, I'm going to call them voids. That's good because God works through our voids. If we invite him to fill us in, when we're feeling that weakness, when we're feeling that emptiness, that's our opportunity to really open that to God and ask God to fill, fill those. And we learn how God does miracles and works in our life through the miracles he does in the Bible, especially the first miracle, which is creation, because that gives a blueprint for God, how God works. Let's go right back to Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. But then there's this very mysterious verse, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. God did it this way, I think, because he wanted to teach how he's going to work in our life. Without form, that means disordered. It's tohu va bohu. Tohu is disordered. Void means bohu, which is emptiness, empty of life and darkness. So first of all, we see it, the earth was an unstructured, disordered chaos. It was empty of life and it was unenergized, there was no light, it was just darkness. That's the state of our hearts and our lives without the presence of God. And then God did a miracle. The Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, so God's ready to fill our voids, to bring life where there's emptiness, to bring light where there's darkness, to bring order where there's disorder. He's ready to do it. And then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God's word carries his presence also. And we see how God works a miracle. First, he does it, of course, by his word, his spirit. He releases his presence. And the spirit is his presence. And it transforms. But the other thing that was necessary there was the presence of a receptive void into which God speaks and into which the spirit moves. So let that be a picture of our life. Yes, God's presence is ready to fill your heart right now. But you need to be, uh, there needs to be the condition in your heart that's ready to receive that miracle. It's, it's like the egg in a womb. It, it needs the sperm to come in to create life. But that receptive egg, as it were, um, must be there to receive. And so the condition must be set up in, in the womb of our heart to receive God's presence, God's word. So a void is an empty place in our heart that, or our life that God has created or allowed to develop, which he wants to fill with himself. You know, a void can be created in many ways, just our need that we bring to God. Or God tells us to do something and it's beyond our natural ability, beyond our experience, and we feel that weakness. That's good, you see. Because in that, we have to reach out to God and ask for God's presence, God's anointing in a, in a new way. And so you might think a void is a, is a bad thing, but actually it's God's opportunity to fill you with more of himself. It's your awareness of your need. It's, it's a desire for to be filled. Jesus said, those who hunger and thirst for him will be filled. So that void causes you to call out to God to fill him. It's, it's a humility before God. The opposite of it is self-sufficiency, complacency. You know, it's, you may not reveal all your needs to men, 
but you can, before God, cry out to him and say, Lord, fill me. And you need uh, not to try and fill those voids with whatever, alcohol, drugs, entertainments and all that, but, but use that to cry out to God to fill you with his presence. You know, often you can grow spiritually more in hard times or challenging times when you know your need for God's presence more. Those voids are your receptivity for God to do a miracle in your life. It's um, Isaiah, he says, have you not known? Have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary? His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak and those who have no might, he increases strength. Notice he gives power to the weak. Those who have no might, he increases strength. So when we come to him in our weakness, that we qualify for his strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall utterly fall. Even if you're naturally strong in an area, there's a limit to that. Don't depend on your natural strength. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. And that's literally, it says, you come to the Lord and you present your need to, your emptiness to God, your lack of strength to God, and you receive his strength inside you. And then you will mount up with wings like eagles, run and not be weary, and walk and not faint. So come to God, present your void to him, look to him, and then he will fill your void with his strength, with his presence. God's spirit, you see, is hovering over your voids. He wants to fill your voids with his presence. In our culture, though, the danger is we want to cover our voids. We want to look strong. We, we don't want to show weakness. But you can certainly show your weakness before God and let that, that inner void be the ground for you to open up your heart in a new way for his presence. God knows you anyway, so you don't have to put on an act before God. Um, don't try and fill it with distractions, but bring it to God. And um, he wants us to learn to be dependent on him. God made you to need him and depend on him, and you'll thrive when you learn to depend on him every day, on his presence in your life. And so God wants you to operate beyond your natural ability, to walk on the water. We're in that place where you have to depend on his grace, otherwise you're, not, you're gonna fail. Lord, it's your presence that I need. That should be our prayer, just like the air that we breathe. And I want to give you some examples in the Bible for this. The Apostle Paul rejoiced, he says, in the tribulations, in the things that made him feel weak, that revealed his weakness, because he knew that that created the condition in his heart where he could access more of the grace of God. And we, he saw those weaknesses, those voids, as opportunities to receive more from God. Um, if you're thinking, I'm comfortable, I'm fine, my life's fine, I don't need more of God, I don't need to press into God more, you are giving God nothing to work with. There are no voids there for God to fill. That's not how Paul wanted to live. He wanted more of the glory of God. Let's read that in Corinthians. Lest, he said, I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelations. A thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. 
And he said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Now, a lot of nonsense has been talked about the thorn in the flesh as if it was a physical uh, sickness. Um, if, it was a if it was a literal thorn, then it would be silly for Paul to ask God to remove it because he could just pull the thorn out himself. So it was a symbol. A thorn in the flesh was a symbol. And when you have symbols in the Bible, you need to see other verses in the Bible where the same symbol is used. And we have that. In Numbers 33, it says that... Uh, if you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land before you, then it shall be that those that you let remain shall be irritants in your eyes and thorns in your sides, and they shall harass you in the land where you dwell. And the same in Joshua 23:13, It says that the inhabitants of the land shall be scourges in your sides and thorns in your eyes. And so the thorn in the flesh are personalities who, who, who resist persecute, who attack, who oppress the people of God. And that's what it says, the thorn in the flesh, Paul says it, it's a messenger of Satan. In other words, it wasn't something from God, it was a messenger or angel of Satan. Because Paul was operating in such a high level of revelation, he was so dangerous to the devil, that actually Satan assigned one of his top angels to Paul, and everywhere Paul went, he stirred up the crowds of people against Paul. And so that was the thorn in the flesh. And it, everywhere he went, every city, it was trouble, persecution. And that was the thorn in the flesh. And if you look in the previous chapter, he describes all those persecutions. It wasn't sicknesses, because Jesus has redeemed us from sickness. But we are not, we can't claim freedom from persecution. And Paul suffered this, this constant harassing of persecution. And his attitude in it was he asked God, oh Lord, get, save me from this. But God's answer was, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And so there's the key, he says, in, under that persecution, under those things that cause you to feel so weak. He says, turn it for good, because you draw, in your weakness, draw upon my grace. My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. So the more you feel your weakness, the more God's strength can be perfected in you because you're going to call out to God more than you ever did before. That's why he said, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities, not his sicknesses, but his weaknesses, that the power of Christ might rest on me. So whenever you feel weak, that is your opportunity to draw on the strength, on the presence of God, the grace of God to sustain you. Therefore, he says, I take pleasure in infirmities, reproaches, needs, persecutions, distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I'm weak, then I am strong. So when you are in that weakness, you can experience the strength of God more than you ever could before. It's one of the keys to, to being, having more of the presence of God in your life. And so Psalm 42 is our second example of that. As the deer pants... For the water brook, so pants my soul for you, O God. My th soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Don't put your trust in dead things, whether they're material possessions or, or clever thoughts or whatever those things are that's, that you depend on. They're all dead things, but God is the living God. Let your soul thirst for the living God. When you're, when you're thirsty, that means you, you feel a lack 
of the presence of God in you. And so out of that void, you thirst for him. And, and if we go back to verse 6, he says, My soul is cast down within me. He doesn't try and hide his need. And then he says, Therefore I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, from the heights of Hermon, from the hill Mitzar. And he's talking about where the Jordan comes out of Mount Hermon. And the Jordan is a picture of the river of life. And he wants to draw from God's river of life. And so he, re he remembers the natural picture of that. And then he says, deep calls to deep at the noise or the sound of your waterfalls. And there at Banias, uh, in that region, there's, there's a wonderful waterfall. Uh, and, and, we, and if you get near a waterfall, it's so loud, you hear the noise of it. And, and we hear the sound of God's waterfalls of grace, which are for us, his presence in a, coming, available to us as a mighty waterfall. And at the sound of it, through the sound of his word, it says, deep calls to deep, from the depths of our heart, from the depths of our inner, from the depths of that void, we call out to the deep, the depths of God, to fill us. And when we call out, he flows over us. All your waves, he goes on to say, all your waves and billows have gone over me. He says, the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime. So when you call out to God from the depth of your heart, God then commands the river of his life, of his loving kindness, to flood and to fill your heart. Praise God. And it just requires us to call out. And my last picture, my favorite picture of this principle is in 2 Kings chapter 4, the oil miracle. A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha saying, your servant, my husband is dead and you know that your servant feared the Lord and the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. And Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, your maidservants have nothing in the house but a jar of oil. Remember, oil represents the spirit. Then he said, go borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels. See, God needs empty vessels to do a miracle. And the magnitude of what God could do for her depended on how many vessels she found to present to God. If she just was half-hearted and just got a, a couple of small bowls, she would have had a miracle, but a small miracle, because she limited God by not presenting much of an empty vessel to him. And he emphasizes that. He says, empty vessels, do not gather just a few. In other words, be radical. Really open your heart up to God. Present your void to God. And when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons, and then pour into all those vessels and set aside the full ones. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons who brought the vessels to her, and she poured it out. Now as it came to pass that when the vessels were full, that she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there isn't another vessel. So the oil ceased. Notice, the miracle continued as long as there was an empty vessel. But it stopped when there was none left. And then she told the man of God, uh, he said, go sell the oil and pay your debt and you and your sons will live on the rest. And so the oil represents the presence of God, the spirit of God. And God will fill us to the extent that we open our heart, our need, our void, our empty places to God, that empty vessel. Our pride prevents us, you see. We don't want to admit our weakness. We don't want to admit to God our need. But if we will present our voids to God, he will fill them. That oil will fill whatever 
is presented to him. You, God is limited by your free will, how much you invite him to fill you. She had to, to for that miracle, she required an empty vessel, a void. And the size of the void, the size of your need that you present to God, determines how much God can fill you. How much do you desire him? How much do you need his presence in your life? Or how much do you think you can manage by yourself? When there was no more void, there was no more miracle. That's the limit that was set on how much God can work. The void does not create the miracle. That's God's presence does that. But without a void, there can be no miracle. Your answer to your need is not a thing, but it's the presence of God represented by the oil. And then that oil produced the prosperity she needed. You need his presence like you need the air you breathe. So when you feel dry and thirsty in your soul, anxious, come to Jesus and drink. Drink in his presence. Drink in the oil of his spirit. Let him fill you. But remember, to, be, to drink, you must be thirsty first. You must be aware of your void, and then you will drink. As Jesus said, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And once you do that, you will be flooded with the presence of God. Out of your heart will flow rivers of living water, he said. The Bible finishes with this offer. It says, Jesus says, I will give the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. You have to thirst. You've got to feel that you let yourself feel that need and, and express that need to God and ask God to fill you. And then just receive, just drink. Receive it as a free gift. Receive his presence as a free gift. Don't try and control it. Just surrender to it. Yield to it. And again, right at the end of the Bible, let him who thirsts come. Come to Jesus. Whoever desires, whoever has a void, whoever thirsts, let him take the water of life freely. It's offered to you on a free gift basis. You receive it as a free gift, but you've got to have that desire. You've got to let yourself thirst for it. You've got to realize the value of his presence in your life and thirst for it. Present your need to God, your void. Ask God to fill it. And Jesus will do amazing things but he does it through his presence in you. Amen. Jesus said, if you continue in my word, then you're my disciples indeed, and you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And our vision is to spread the in-depth teaching of the word of God to the ends of the earth, but we need your help. If you can partner with us or, or pray for us, contribute to us, it will make all the difference to make this possible. And on our website, oxfordbiblechurch.co.uk, you, you can find the, a way you can help us financially, and we would be so grateful. God's healing is available to us through Jesus Christ, but we need our faith built to know how to receive healing. And so this is my book, Getting Healed. And if you need a book that will guide you step by step to receive your healing, this is it. And there's a CD series that goes with that, Getting Healed. God wants you healed and healthy. And a part two to that is my book, Live Long and Strong, the key to renewal of your youth. God wants you to be strong and live long and a satisfied life. So let me encourage you to get hold of the word of God in these areas and rise up strong in the Lord. You can watch more of our teachings on our Oxford Bible Church Roku channel and Derek Walker YouTube channel. You're most welcome to join us at our church services which are every Sunday at 11am and 6pm at Cheney School, Headington, Oxford 
you can order CDs, DVDs, books and other great products from our online shop at www.oxfordbiblechurch.co.uk or by calling 01865 515 086.